0: Today we're in week three, we're part three, installation three of, of the series that we're calling Change Your World. And the real idea in Change Your World is, is that um, we're talking about changing our world, which is the people around us. So, so the world is too big for one person to change it. And there's those over seven billion people. We, we can't change the entire world, but we can change our world. We can make a difference in the lives of people around us. So week one, We talked about how uh, God has called us to be salt and light. And salt makes things better. Can I get a witness on that, right? And light makes things brighter. Uh, People who have fallen down our stairs in the balcony will tell you, light makes things brighter, right? I mean, it just makes things brighter. Um, so, So God calls us to be salt and light, make things better, make things brighter for the people around us. But then last week, week two, we talked about how we need to do two things. We need, to, we need to recognize our influence that God has given us, that there's people He's called us to influence, and there's places that He wants us to influence, right? But if we don't do anything with what we recognize, man, we're really missing the whole point. Because really we've got to start exercising our influence once we recognize our influence. Y'all following me? So we gotta we gotta walk it out. Just walk it out, right? We just gotta walk out our exercise. Exercising that influence that God's given us. Now, how do we do that? Today, we're going to focus on on one person at a time. That the best way to change the world is to change our world. If we want to change the world, we got to start with our world, and we do that one person at a time. Everybody say that one person at a time. That's the way we do it. Paul says it this way in Colossians. You can remember this scripture four, five, and six, right? Colossians four, five, and six. He says, be, way, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And I don't necessarily love this word outsiders because it automatically just kind of um, polarizes people. But what he's referring to is, is that um, there are people who aren't Christians yet. There are people who aren't following Jesus yet. And that's who he's talking about. But we gotta be wise toward them. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of when you go to the grocery store or you're at the gas pump or you're picking up peppermints or Dr. Pepper in the convenience store, right? Every opportunity to let your conversation be always full of grace, always seasoned with salt, making things better for people. Why? So that you'll know how to answer everyone. There's people going to want, they want to know, tell me about this. Tell me about your faith. Tell me about... Your church, and so you'll know how to answer everyone. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. So let me let me boil it down for us. Um, If we're going to change our world one person at a time, we're going to have to do it relationally through relationships. That's that's the way God intended it. Is is one person at a time through relationships? But from the beginning of the church, from the Book of Acts. Christians have always projected their practices on other people. In the book of Acts, you see uh, the, the, the Jewish people telling the Gentile people that you got to do all of these things in order to be a real Christian. Come on. You ever heard that from a church before? Well, you're not really a real Christian. you got to do all of these things in order to be a real Christian, right? And so the, the, the Jews were saying, you got to do all this. You've you got to practice the law. And, and so they, they settled and, and figured out there's a better way than that. But even today, as we, as we evangelize, as the church has witnessed over the last several years, what, what has happened is the church has become judgmental and harsh. And it actually pushes people away. Well, you, you're not acting like us, so you don't really belong here. Mm-mm, can I get a witness, right? That's... The, Unfortunately, that's the way it's been. It's the way the church has operated. And it's not the heartbeat of God, I don't think. So, so here's something I want to leave you. I, I love this. Uh, Josh McDowell said years ago, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. That when you, have a re- when, when you meet somebody and you, just, you come out guns blazing and you're, you're trying to tell them how bad and evil and wrong they are and how they, don't, they should believe this instead of that... All it's going to do is push people away and it's going to lead to rebellion in their life. They don't want to hear anything about this God of ours if all we do is just tell them how bad they are. Faults and failures. Come on. They don't want to hear that. So, so what do we do? There's three, there's three areas that we need wisdom in our life. If we're going to change our world, we need wisdom in three areas. And it's going to happen through relationships. So I want to give you, if you're taking notes today, pull out your notes there, get those ready. And I want to give you three areas that we need wisdom. And then every, every area we need wisdom has some points underneath that. So you've got a lot of notes to take today. Number one, we need wisdom in our moment. Now, let me, let me just explain what our moment is. Your moment is the moment that you know God is asking you to do something that you might not be comfortable with. That's, that's the moment. The moment is when you know he's calling you to an act of kindness or to, to strike up a conversation with a stranger in the supermarket and you're not really comfortable with that. But that's the moment that he's leading you. And if you'll let him, God will give you some divine appointments throughout the day. God will speak to your heart. And he'll put some people in your path for you to just have a moment with them. Are you following me? So, so Psalm 37 says it this way, that, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. See, the Lord wants to order your steps. He wants to direct you. He wants, he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He, he wants to put you on the right path. Proverbs says it this way, that in his heart, a man plans his course. Anybody planner here today? Anybody like to plan? I'm a planner. I like, I like plans. I like to have things lined out. I like to plan out my workday, what's going to happen today. Everything goes on my calendar. It does not exist if it's not on my calendar. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's got to be there. I like to plan things, and every once in a while, I'm okay with spontaneity. I'm okay with some surprise, but by and large, planners don't like surprises. We don't like detours. Come on, you with me? We, We don't like that, but maybe... God's actually trying to detour you. Maybe he's actually trying to just lead you away from your plan for just a moment so that you would recognize what he wants to do. It's the Lord who determines his steps. See, it's okay to plan. It's okay to plan things out. But we also need to be willing and ready to just let the Holy Spirit lead us in a different direction away from our plan when, when it needs to be. Can I get a witness there? And this is our moment. This is what I'm talking about. See, um, we need wisdom for this, because the Holy Spirit will prompt us. And what we've got to do is we've got to train our, ourselves to be sensitive to the situations around us. We've got to be sensitive to the people around us, because everybody goes through tough times. Everybody does. I, I want to bless you today. I thought I'd bless you with some uplifting thoughts that... That um, everybody goes through tough times. Some, some of you, you're in the middle of a tough time today. Some of you, you've just come out of a tough time. But here's, here's the part I want to bless you with. Some of you are about to go into a tough time. You're, you're figuring to go into a tough time. It's going to be rough. And that's just the, the course of life. It's the cycle of life. It's not always going to be on the mountaintop. Come on, somebody. There's going to be days when we're in the valley and everybody goes through a tough time. So we've got to just have our eyes open for the people who are going through it. I remember years ago, we were um, living in Alabama at the time, and Garrett was playing a, uh, a basketball game in the rec league, and we were playing against a team coached by a friend of ours. And so it was, it was all in the same city, so we knew people on the other teams anyway. And, and this other team, man, they are just wearing our team out. They're, they're seven years old, and they're out there just pulling up jumpers and just like... I mean, it, they're incredible. It's frustrating to be on the losing side, though. You know what I mean? And so they're just, they're aggressive, and it's, it's rough. Well, there's this one lady on our team who is just, she was the sweetest, kindest, didn't really say much at all. But in the middle of the game, I, I, guess, I guess the fact that they were being a little aggressive on her boy, she just stood up, and she started screaming at the at the coach but not like come on coach back your players down not like that it was like she was losing her cool to the point that everybody turned and just watched her (laughs) and we were like what's going on like what is the problem and here's what I learned after the game I learned that her mom was recently diagnosed with cancer and I talked to my friend, Craig, who coached the other team later that afternoon. I said, Craig, I'm so sorry for what happened at the game. And I, I, I hope that it's not a reflection on the whole team. I, I, I'm really sorry about that. But here's what I learned about the lady after the game is that her mom has just been diagnosed with cancer. I said, so really, I said, she, she wasn't really mad at you. She was just taking out her, her, her anger on you. And here, here's what I told him. I said, here's the thing, hurting people... Hurt people. I, I really don't think she was mad about the basketball game. I think there was something deeper going on inside of her. Ken, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done that before? I've, I've lashed out at people that they didn't deserve it, but oh my goodness, it was something inside of me that I was hurting and they got the brunt end of something that they didn't deserve. And you've probably been there too. Hurting people hurt people. Here's the reality is that people are dealing with loneliness. People are dealing with depression and sickness and disease and divorce. People are going through marriage problems and family issues. People are hurting in so many ways. So in our moment, we just need wisdom to live in the moment, to see who is it that needs, uh, that needs a little a, a little TLC today? Who can I bless today? Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? Will you guide me? Just being available in the moment to minister to people around us. So, so how do we do that? We start every day being available for God. Just start every day. God, I'm, I'm ready for, yours, for you today. God, I, I, my availability, God, gives you an opportunity to do a miracle through me today. I'm just going to be available for you today. And here's, here's, what, here's what I think is that we're called as a church to plunder hell and populate heaven. And, and so it would be awesome. I think it's just, it, I, I love this picture that before our feet even hit the floor in the morning hell starts to tremble because city hope's waking up oh hey guys city hope's awake the people of city hope man they're, they're about to be on mission today they're going to be living in their moment today looking for people to minister to looking for people to bless looking for people to just to just pray over or to they're, they're, they're going to be in the moment guys and and so i want us to make hell nervous kind of shaking in their boots yeah, are you with me we're, because we're living in the moment. Here's how we make hell nervous. Three things. We've got to be intentional in relationships. Just, just write that down. Jot that down. Intentional. So we're not waiting for people to come to us. No, no, no. We're looking for people. We're, we're looking for, we're going to them. We're going to be intentional. We're looking for, for people that we can bless, for people that we can just lean into, that we can listen to, right? And, and here's the thing. We can't lead them closer to Jesus if we don't move, if we just stay where we are. We can't lead people closer to Jesus. We've gotta to go to them. So I had an opportunity to be intentional this week. I got my hair cut at a, a, a new person, and uh, so I was, as I was getting my hair cut, of course, what do you do when you get your hair cut? You talk. You just talk about stuff, and I don't ever tell people that I'm a pastor, ever outside of, of the church i'm not afraid of it i'm not ashamed of it but what i've learned is that when i tell people i'm a pastor it immediately builds a wall between me and them and they'll go like oh yeah yeah yeah. we, we go to church uh i'm like where do you go to church at uh uh you know there, there's a place uh on kemp do you remember the pastor's name oh why can't i think of his name because you don't go to church Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, so I don't tell people that I'm a pastor because I don't, I don't want, I, I want to just be as human and real with people as possible, right? So, so I don't get into all that. And, and so anyway, she's using some language that, you know, you, um, I've heard and I've said most of what she said to me. And maybe she's just comfortable talking to her clients that way, but it didn't bother me. I didn't say, you know, you shouldn't be talking to a pastor like that, <laughs> I, I didn't do that. I was just, I just listened. I mean, right? So I I was listening to about her shop and about some things that uh, she, some things that she'd like to grow in. And I love business uh, authors, business books. I I love reading things like that. One of my favorite authors is Patrick Lencioni. He's a great author, and I love his stuff. And so I was telling her about some of those books, and and uh, anyway. Uh, there was just this little connection. And at, at the end of the haircut, she says, hey, would you leave, would you write those books on a piece of paper for me? Of course I would, right? And we didn't talk about church. We didn't talk about God, Jesus, uh, anything like that. Because number two, what I really wanna do is I wanna find her spiritual spot. So when, when if we're gonna make hell nervous, we've, and the people around us in our sphere of influence we got to find their spiritual spot where is the area that they're sensitive what's the area that they really they really are struggling or hurting in it's maybe family finances faith fitness all of those f words like you could come up with a bunch of other ones but like there's more places there's other areas where maybe it's their maybe it's their husband their spouse and and then when when you find that spiritual spot you just camp out there Hey, tell me more about that. Tell me what's, what's going on. How, how did you get to that place? And you just, you just discover their spiritual spot. Pastor Andy Stanley gives us three areas to look for, three statements to look for, three knots, okay? One, not in church. Two, not going well. Things aren't going well. It's falling apart. Three, we weren't or we were not prepared for this. It blindsided us. It took us by surprise. You look for those three statements, and it gives you an opportunity to find their spiritual spot and and to just be relational with that person. See, back in the old days, we thought that we had to save that person right away. So we needed them to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost all in about 30 seconds, right? But there's a relational way to do it. Jesus was relational with people. The, the third area is this. We've got to start adding value to them. So once we, once we are intentional, we're in relationship with them, we find their spiritual spot. Then we start adding value to the area where they hurt the most. And when you add value to people, check this out. They will give you permission to talk about Christ. When you add value to people, they'll be, they will give you a hearing. They will listen to what you have to say. So so the way I look at relationships is like a bank account, pocket change. So every relationship requires a transaction. And if I'm adding value to people, then I am depositing pocket change in their life. I'm I'm making a deposit in their life. See, what we can't do is meet someone and immediately tell them how wrong and evil and bad they are. You know why? Because you're bankrupt. You didn't make any deposits in their life. So what you do is you just begin to make deposits, little by little, pocket change. And eventually, in every relationship, you're going to need to make a withdrawal. And if you haven't been adding value, if you haven't been adding pocket change, making deposits, then guess what? You're going to be bankrupt. So, but if you have been adding value, you've been making deposits, then there's still a balance when you have to make a withdrawal. Am I making sense to you? that's the way relationships work. So so Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians, that my work was to plant the seed. Paul added value to people by planting a seed in the Corinth church. Apollos' work to the Corinth church was to water. He added value by watering the seed, but it was God, not man, who made the seed grow, made it grow into a garden. And so we add value. We just consistently do things. We bless. We add value. And that's the first way. that We've, we've got to be wise in our moment. Number two, the second area in your notes, is to, is to ask for wisdom in our manner. Now, this, this is simply about how we behave. It's about how we act. It's about the way that we live our lives around people. And Jesus says it this way in Matthew He says, let me tell you why you're here. Why are you on the earth? Why did God create you? All right, it's to make a difference. Here's how. See, you're to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be the light bringing out the God colors in the world. So you're here to make things better for people. And he goes on to say in verse 16 that in the same way, let your light shine before men. Let me say it this way: let the way that you live your life, let the way that you act, let the way that you the, the things that you do, let it shine before other people so that when they see the way you're living, they see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father in heaven. They'll say, I want to live like that. I want what they have. And it becomes attractive to them, right? So so the greatest influence that you can have on somebody is not the words you say, but it's, it's how you live. The greatest influence you can have on somebody is how you behave. It's how you act. Am I making sense to you? It's, it's the way that we live our lives. And so when we think about our manner, how we behave, we've got to know that we have the opportunity to bring the presence of Christ into a world of chaos, the world is, is chaotic around us. Can we agree on that? It's chaotic. So the way we behave can bring the presence of Jesus into the world around us. I'm going to show, show you three ways, right? The first way is this. We, we, we bring the presence of Christ when we make things better and brighter for people. Remember, we're the salt seasoning. So we, salt makes things better. We're, we're the light. Light makes things brighter. That's who we are. That's what God has called us to do, is to make things better and brighter for the people around us. But number two, and this is where it starts to get a little difficult, is if, if we're going to bring the presence of Christ to people, we've got to understand their world. This one and the next one are hard for, it's hard for the church. Because for years, the church just chose not to understand it all. Well, they're not like us, so, you know, the Bible says we ought to be separate, so we're not even going to fool with that over there. We're just going to be separate. And then, again, it pushed people away. So I'm trying to teach us today how we're going to change our world relationally. We've got to understand the world of people who are not yet Christians. They're not yet following Jesus. And what what I'm talking about is we've got to learn to connect with them. We've got to learn to enter their world and try to understand what they're, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Tell me why you, a, a way that you can understand somebody is to just say, can you help me understand where you're coming from? Can you help me understand why you feel this way? Can you help me understand the things that you've gone through that brought you to this place? To understand their world. Hey, we're, we're not trying to fix anybody yet. Come on. We're just trying to understand where they're at. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says that even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I I don't have to live up to everybody else's expectations. I've decided, he says, that I'm going to voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. So I'm going to try to reach as many people as I can. And he says, I didn't take on their way of life. But I I, I kept my bearings in Christ. I didn't act like they acted. I didn't behave like they behaved. I I kept my bearings, but I entered into their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. Hey, tell me why you think the church is a crock, right? Tell me why you think Christians are fake. Help me understand that. What have you seen in your life that, that causes you to believe that instead of just saying well uh, you're, you're just full of it and no no help me understand help me understand and then number three if we're going to show the presence of christ to people we've got to show them unconditional love because it's, it's pretty hypocritical church if we receive the love of christ and then we don't give the love of christ we receive his unconditional love, but then we, we make other people try to earn it. If I had a Hammond B3 organ up here right now, <laughs> I'd start preaching, right? <laughs> Glory to God! I'd just, go, just go all out, right? Uh, what is unconditional love? Unconditional love is loving someone for no good reason. See, the people of the world, they don't need to do anything to earn our love, because they don't have to do anything to earn God's love. And so we just show them unconditional love. Now, I'm not saying approval of their sin. I'm not saying that, that, that we approve of their lifestyle or anything like that. I'm just saying we accept the person. That you, you, you are loved in the, in the sight of God. You are created in God's image. Come on, somebody. And so, so we connect with them. We, we, we show them unconditional love. Because love is the common ground that everybody stands on. It's the common ground that people connect on. And so we keep keep issues apart. Pastor Ben, they're living in sin. We we, got to tell them, no, no, you love them regardless of where they are. You You love them regardless of what's going on in their life. Issues separately, you love them unconditionally. And you work on the issues later on. You work on the issues once you've won them. Come on, somebody. That's the way we do it. So it reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. You don't, you don't remember Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> and as he da 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 he, da na na. I don't know, whatever. So those of you who knew part of it, that means you went to a Christian daycare or Sunday school, right? You grew up in Sunday school. And if you didn't grow up in Sunday school or Christian daycare, it might be better that way. I'm not real sure, right? Uh, so so here here's why I bring Zacchaeus and Jesus up is because Zacchaeus he he was messed up, guys. Zacchaeus was a tax collector his name meant pure but he was anything but pure he he was a tax collector he was a he was a fraud man he worked for the roman government and he extorted money from his own people he was a crook he was unfair people despised him people hated tax collectors jewish people especially because it was their own people extorting money out of them for the roman government And and so what Jesus does is he connects with Zacchaeus before he corrects Zacchaeus. He sees Zacchaeus off in the distance and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house. And when they get to the house, Jesus says, hey, salvation has come to your house today. And all the people are going, "What? what, Jesus, do you know who this guy is? He's evil. He, he's a manipulator. He's a liar. He's, he's uh, unfair. He's pulling people. Uh, he's, he, he's, he, he's robbing people of their finances. God, didn't, Jesus, you're crazy. How could salvation come to him? And what they couldn't understand was that Jesus wasn't just seeing him for who he was as a tax collector. Jesus was seeing him for who he could be. I thought that would be a good point right there. He, he was seeing... Zacchaeus, not for who he was, not the obvious, not the sinner, not the tax collector, not the guy who, who robbed everybody, but for somebody who had potential in the kingdom of God. And chances are, you're here today because somebody else saw the potential in you. And we're all here today because God sees the positive potential in all of us. And if we'll recognize it, church, we're all just one conversation away from somebody, just giving them life-giving positive, positive insight into who they could be. I remember when that happened, that's happened to me a few times. Some of the conversations that stand out to me more than any others are the ones where people spoke things that maybe weren't true about me as if they were true. They saw the positive in me. I remember years ago we were in Alabama when we lived there eating at a hibachi restaurant. And, uh, we're, we're already at the table and I see a friend of mine come in who is a campus pastor at another church there in the area. And so he walks in and they come over and say hi. And he, he, his wife just begins to call out positive things about our kids. She begins to say, oh, you're such a great leader. Oh, you're, you're, you're a mighty man. I'm so proud of you. And I can't tell you. Do you know what that does in a dad? You guys know, man, it just, it made me kind of stick my chest out a little bit. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, he's a leader. That's exactly right. That's exactly who he is. Because they're calling out the positive potential. And that's what we've got to do is we've got to show unconditional love and speak to people, see people as they could be, not just who they are. Amen. All right, number three, number three is our message. So, so we need God's wisdom in our, in our moment to be spirit-led. We need his wisdom in our manner, how we live, how we act, how we behave so that our, our lives are a light and that they're salt to people around us. But we also need his wisdom in what we say, our message, the words that we speak. Are you following me? It's what we talk about. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians Timothy, rather. He says, don't, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. Have you ever had one of those before? A foolish, ignorant argument? I mean, it wasn't just foolish. It was ignorant also, right? He says, don't get involved in that because that only starts fights. Now, one of the most common places for foolish, ignorant arguments to happen is, is on social media, right? Is that we're these keyboard warriors, and we just have these great opinions, and I, I, I never really participated in foolish, ignorant arguments on social media. Uh, but it sure does wear you out when that's all you see, right? And, but I'm happy to tell you today that I am 66 days sober from having social media on my phone. I, 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 the, we deleted it from... I, I just I can look at it on the computer and all, it is, it's, it's so hard to even navigate it on the computer that I don't even look at it anymore. It's just like... Oh, this is pointless. It takes too long for stuff to load. And you know, I haven't missed it at all. I, I, don't, I really don't miss it. I mean, you're still coming to church, even though I'm not on social media. There was a point where I thought, well, I, I got to be posting. I got to do all this because you know, I got to remind people that Sunday's coming as if you can't figure that out on your own. You know, you're responsible. You know that, but you, you just get so, so inundated in the technology and I, I've been freed by not having that. It's been so good. Paul says, hey, don't, don't get involved in all that stuff. Because the Lord's servants, which is us, we, we shouldn't quarrel, but we should be kind to everyone. Kind to everyone, Ben. But, but that guy lied about me. Everyone. But she said something about me. Everyone. He cheated me. Everyone. You know what? In, in the Greek, the word everyone literally means everyone. It just means Everyone. <laughs> And and also in the Hebrew, if you research in the Hebrew, it's everyone. So they must be able to teach. Oh, Ben, I'm not a teacher, but you are by the way you live. Uh, You've got to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. No, you don't have to raise your hands, but come on, we all know some difficult people, don't we? Right? Um, Some of you are sitting by difficult people today. We've, we've, we've got to be able to reach them. And, and then they should gently teach those who oppose the truth. How, how do you deal with somebody who just opposes the truth? They don't believe you like you believe. They, they think you're crazy. They think Christians are, are just off in left field. How do you deal with those people, Ben? Gently. Gently teach them. And perhaps God will change their hearts. Because see, we don't change their hearts. We just become available for people. We just let God use us in the moment and in the manner and in the message. And God will change those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. And then Peter says it this way in 1 Peter. But in your hearts, revere Christ as the Lord. What do you mean? Decide today that I'm going to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. That I'm not going to turn to the right or to the left. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. I'm living for him. I'm all in. And when you do that, you need to be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness, with respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. What, what do you mean, be ashamed of their slander? That what, they'll come to realize I was wrong about him. I used to not like that guy, but turns out he's the real deal. That's what I'm talking about. But they'll only see that through our moment, through our manner, and through our message. When he says, be prepared to give an answer, I'm just I want to teach you something just a moment when he says be prepared to give an answer it's it's your defense like what well, what's your defense why did you decide to be a Christian and here's the thing you don't need to have a defense for everything you, you don't need to have a defense for the person who says well look at these other Christians I mean they're doing this they're living that way I mean how, how can you say, I should be a Christian when these people over here are hypocritical? Hey, listen, I, I don't know about them. I can't speak for them. I don't know why they live that way, but here's what I do know. is that I, can, I can tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Well, I mean, what about the Old Testament? Seems like God was always killing people in the Old Testament. All of these wars and and all of this stuff happened. I mean, mean, it it seems crazy. And and, and, I mean, all the crusades that happened after the early church, they killed Jews. I mean, how how, how can that, how can you call yourself a Christian and and that be who you are? Listen, I don't know about all that. I I can't speak for all of that. But what I can tell you is what God's done in my life listen I just I don't understand how you can say God is a loving God when, when bad things happen to good people when there's wildfires taking people's homes and, and w- w- while there's a pandemic in the world if God loved the world so much then he wouldn't have let those kinds of things happen listen I, hey I don't know all of that I can't answer all of that but what I can tell you is what Jesus did in my life so you don't have to have an answer for everything, but you do, all you have to do is just tell them why you decided to be a Christian, why you decided to follow Jesus. Come on, am I making sense? So you just begin to tell them what God's done in your life. See, it's, it's not about winning arguments, it's about winning their heart. And I'll give you three things on how to win their heart really quick. How do we win their hearts? We've gotta share the hope that we have. Share the hope that we have. When they start talking about things going on in their life, when when they open up to you, it's a good time for you to just say, man, I wish you had the hope that I have. I wish you had the peace that I have. I wish you felt the joy that I have in my life. And when you have an opportunity to share the message, you just say, hey, listen, our God loves you so much. He, listen, I need you to know he's not mad at you. But he's madly in love with you. And he wants a relationship with you so desperately. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to give you a do-over. He wants to give you a new beginning, a clean slate. Everything that you've done in your past, everything that you've walked through in the past, he wants to forgive that. He wants you, he wants you to be forgiven and free. You just begin to share the message of hope with him. Number two, share your church. Share your church. See, most people are waiting on an invitation to come to church. But most people won't come on their own. Some, some will. Most people won't. They're not sure how it goes. I mean, am I supposed to wear a suit and a tie? Like, well, I mean, what happens if I'm I going to get struck by lightning? I haven't been in church in six years, right? You've heard the people who say, man, if I come to church, it'll just burn down on top of me. No, 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 no. That's what, they're waiting for an invitation. They need somebody beside them. And most people would say yes to that invitation. Number three is we've got to share Christ. It's what it's all about. Our our moment, our manner, our message to be able to share Jesus with somebody. To share the hope of Christ that we have. And that maybe we get to a point with them where we can say, hey, listen. If you'd ever like to receive Christ, it would be my honor to lead you in that moment actually uh, I really felt as I was preparing this message that uh, I was going to end it a little bit differently today because it would be my honor to lead you in this moment if you, if you don't know Jesus if you don't have hope like listen you can't share hope that you don't have you need the hope of Jesus and it would be my honor to lead you today into a life giving relationship with Jesus and maybe you've sat there today and you've heard a gospel you've heard about Christianity in a way that you have not seen you've seen people who are harsh and judgmental but you haven't you haven't heard of this brand of Christianity that really is God loves you so much that he gave everything his only son for you and I want to give you that moment to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life today to have the same hope that I have would you bow your heads with me if you say Ben I, I don't know Jesus I don't have the hope that you're talking about I'm far from God I'm distant but I want what you're talking about I want this hope I, I want a relationship with Jesus I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life I want him to lead me and guide me I want him to direct my steps I don't want to be like those Christians that I've seen that that were judgmental and harsh, but what you're talking about is something that that I want, I need in my life. And I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to ask him to lead me. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Anybody else? I want Jesus to lead me. me. God bless you. I see you. Thank you for that. I'm I'm so honored. I'm proud of you. Anybody Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Five or six hands up, ready. Anybody else say that's me? I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Hey, let's put you can put your hands down, and I want everybody today. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm so sorry for doing things my way. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my best friend. From this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. I am yours, and you are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's thank God for for six people who said yes to Jesus today.